Ladies and gentlemen, it's the 21st century. And finally, five years into the brave new world of the 2000s, it's time for Batman. It's not the end of Batman, it's the beginning of Batman, with Christian Bale and Christopher Nolan taking the lead to give us Batman for the post-September 11 world. Welcome to Raven On, the pop culture podcast where we are currently doing the subsection Raven Bat deep dive. It is Natalie Bohensky here as your host and with me as always my co-host is a man who, if he had a dollar every time he had to buy a hotel so he could swim with supermodels, he would have enough money to buy more hotels in which he could swim with supermodels. It's Stuart Late. <laughs> Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Yes, if I had enough money to buy those hotels, I would have $2. <laughs> How are you doing, Stu? I'm doing fantastic, Natalie, and all the better for we're about to discuss a very, very good bat film. We've gone from <laughs> arguably the worst in this particular series that we're going to cover to one of the best. Oh One boy, it's a big best. jump. It is a jump in time, in space, and in quality. Oh, yes. <laughs> in every way in, that counts. In tone, <laughs> in tenor, in... Acting ability. Yeah, in the number of British people who are in this <laughs> yes. film playing Americans. <laughs> lots and lots of British people doing what I imagine are relatively unconvincing accents. I, do, I don't know. We'll definitely dive into that. But I wanted to first, there was a Batman trailer released very recently. Oh, yes, the there was. And I just wanted to have a little, 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 little brief, you know, trot down Tangent Alley to see what you thought of the Batman trailer. Oh, because absolutely. Yeah. To me, it looked insane. And given that we're talking <laughs> about, you know, the dawn of the Christian Bale era. Yeah. In the present day, we're looking at the dawn of the Robert Pattinson era. I thought that there was a certain synergy to discussing the, the, the trailer coming into a new Batman. But it looked nuts to me. It looked absolutely it, nuts. It looks delightfully unhinged. I'm nearly ready, and we can talk about this as the as the film sort of progressed, but I'm I'm nearly ready for an end to the hyper-realistic sort of grimdark Batman. I wouldn't mind a little bit more of the fun swashbuckling adventurer and, you know, Dark Knight detective. Okay. Um, but having said that, I'm, I'm, I am still looking forward to Robert Pattinson's take on the character because you're right, he looks crazy, um, he looks, which I, I greatly enjoy. He looks weirdly kind of like Cillian Murphy does in this film. Yes. The sort of the lanky, square-jawed, you know, English type, although Cillian Murphy's Irish, I think, isn't he? Or is mm, he yes. Yeah, he's Irish. Please, no offence, man. But, you know, Anglo kind of guy. It, it was so much darker than even mm. what I remember the Christian Bale era as being. Because they're, they're kind of leaning more into this, like, weird, demented nightmare sort of thing. They're, they're, they're taking their cues from the Bale movies, it's clear. Like, they're going yes. for a more grounded take. But they're not sort of slavishly trying to make everything completely grounded and realistic either. Yeah. Um, this is very much a more heightened Batman, which I think is good. We, you want that. You, you don't want everything to be the Christian Bale movies. But coming directly after Batman and Robin, I think this movie was a massive breath of fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. It is interesting following because it's it's following, I guess, the Ben Affleck, Batfleck era. Yeah, th these ones are, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, we haven't even sort of got to Batfleck yet. But but yeah, the, mm. the Robert Pattinson is almost a, 
a response to that as well, yeah. uh, which, is, which has been, you know, around for quite some time. Like you forget that The Dark Knight, the third movie in the Nolan trilogy came out in like 2012. Yes. So for, for a long time, Ben Affleck has been our reigning Batman. Yeah, it is so weird to remember when this movie was like shiny and new oh. and I was in my mid-twenties. Like, wait, <laughs> time, linear, why? It was the hot new Batman and even then it was like, oh, wow, they're doing Batman again. Like I remember them going, how long has it been since a Batman? I suppose it's been a fair while since a Batman. Yeah, not since Batman and Robin. Like <laughs> it, had, it had been nearly 10 years. And now we've had, you know, the second iteration since then of Batfleck and now we're going into another one. How far um, we've come. You had a couple of fun tweets about it. Uh, if you're not following at Disco Stew, he's always got the uh, pop culture opinions worth reading. But, uh, <laughs> not, not worth reading, but I have pop culture opinions and they are on the internet. Shut up. I think they're worth reading. Uh, <laughs> don't talk yourself down. That's my job to do to me wait um <laughs> you said that you quite like the idea of dc just doing a new batman every few years and just letting yeah. people kind of play with it I, I want it to get even more crazy I, I want like the the current crop of actors like like in, in the way that it used to be that like you had your hamlet and your Macbeth. i i want the current crop of male actors and female let's let's mix it up you know everyone's got to do their batman you know <laughs> Everyone, everyone gets a Batman movie. Everyone gets to make their Batman movie. So Ian and just, just go, just have Batman. fun with it. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that way you can just, you can just have fun with it. You know, like Timothy Chalamet's Batman. Um, oh, he's in everything. He's already Willy Wonka. Jesus, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Batman as well. <laughs> Someone has pointed out that he is wearing almost the exact same costume as Gonzo in uh, The Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> It's, it's uncanny. It's like they deliberately did it. It's amazing. <laughs> and then the other thing you said about the Riddler in the Batman movie was that he, he you sort of see him. I'm getting the Batman trailer in all of my YouTube feeds at the moment. It's like right. the dominant ad I'm being served. So every time I flick on a YouTube video, I'm getting the like sort of music. <laughs> <laughs> with shots of, I assume, the Riddler bending over a coffee that has a question mark in the froth. And when I first saw the yes. trailer, I went, oh, that's very cute. And then you pointed out, did he do that himself? Or did he ask the barista to do yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, how, who's, who? like, you know, does he does he go there all the time? They know that, like, Eddie Nigma's coming in. He wants his weird question mark coffee. <laughs> And it was a very grey, slate grey, blue colour palette. Like every time Robert Pattinson was on screen as Bruce Wayne, he just looked like super emo, yeah. um, which is interesting considering that this film in the mid-2000s is kind of peak emo time, and yet Christian Bale was not really an emo Batman. They're tapping into something very different, but we'll, we'll yeah. get there. He's emo in the sense that Batman's always a bit emo. Yes, like, exactly. He's the original emo. He's the original goth. But, yeah, it was very different to how Robert Pattinson with his slightly longish hair and... Yeah, he's got that. He's got a, a weirdly long hairstyle for Bruce yeah. Wayne. It, it's, it's, it's longer it's, than we're used to seeing Bruce Wayne have hair, weirdly. It feels slightly fey. I don't mean that in, like, a camp way, but just in kind of a, no, I'm Bruce Wayne. And yes. And I have a fringe. Almost like he's sense. done that deliberately, like, like the character has done that deliberately yes, to yes. to adopt that identity of like a foppish yes, like yes. rich boy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's a bit Scarlet Pimpernel, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm really, really interested to see what, what this movie is like because mm. it looks really weird, which I have no problem with in a Batman movie. Like I, <laughs> that Batman should be deeply weird as a movie. Like I've got no problem with that. It's just sometimes the flavor of weird they choose to deploy doesn't quite hit right and 
as we've seen already. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited by it. I'm really excited by it. So that's the future of the, the Bat franchise. And I, I'm really interested to see what they do. But at the time Batman Begins was coming out, I remember being just as excited because this thing looked crazy when I saw the trailers for this. I, I can remember seeing the trailers for this because like you, I was sort of in my early to mid 20s. And up till now, like the latest Batman film we had was Batman and Robin. Yes. And then suddenly they're like, oh, they're making a new Batman. And this one looks like it's going to kick ass. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it was pre-Marvel as well. So you didn't have... Yeah. I feel like now all DC films get compared to Marvel, but then you didn't have that comparison because they hadn't even made Iron Man yet. They'd made no, the Eric right. Banner Hulk movie, which... Yes, the Ang, the Ang Lee Hulk, which yes. were, had, had had mixed reaction. Yeah, I don't I, I think it's, it's, had a bit of a, it's had a bit of a reassessment, I think. Like people oh, have gone it? back and sort of... They're not as down on it as it was previously, but it is a weird film. It's a weird film. But they didn't have that weight of expectation. And also they brought in very artistic, what would you call him, auteur-type visionary dude, Christopher Nolan. Well, this is the thing, yeah. And it sort of is the – this movie set the template in so many ways for – like the Batman franchise, as we've seen, sort of reinvented – not only what a superhero movie was, but also what a blockbuster film was back in 1989 with the first Batman movie. Mm. And then it kind of did it again with this movie. Yeah. Like this movie comes out in 2005 and there is a reason that every single gritty reboot of an IP nowadays is called Blank Begins, right? Because this movie set the template. This is the gritty reboot. Like there had been gritty reboots before, but this is the gritty reboot movie. Do we have other begins? No, not really. Not that I not that I know of. Like if, if someone says, you know, oh, this is like, you know, Cruella begins or whatever. Like Oh, I see. You mean like you know what I mean? Like, like if they yeah, it's, they're, they're it's saying like, yeah, it's yeah, it's like Uber for something. It's like it's Uber like for, when yeah. all action movies in the nineties were like, oh, it's die hard on an airplane or something. Yes, you know, yes. like it's you know when, when you talk about a gritty begins. reboot it's like you know cruella begins you know th- yes. that's that's the joke people make because this is the movie that did that yeah and that's they realize that's what you got to do now origin stories everyone wants origin <laughs> yeah. stories as always hollywood took the wrong lessons from <laughs> Well, let's get into then the um, uh, more of the backstory of how this film came about. Actually, you know what? Why don't I try to sum up the plot? Okay. I'm bad at this. It's, so. it's harder than you remember. So Bruce Wayne is a young man who's untethered to life and his family legacy as a billionaire's son. He <laughs> lost his parents in a terrible random shooting accident after going to the opera which is different because I thought that they went to the movies. But anyway, they went to the opera and no wonder he was scared. The opera is terrifying. Um, His parents get shot and die and then he spends 20 years trying to work out what to do about it, which ends up being running around Tibet, I want to say, Nepal, somewhere. A pan-Asian country. In the Himalayan region, lots of mountains. Very mystical. Lots of ninjas, lots of martial artists that he can learn from. He learns from uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, I think it turns out. <laughs> and he's sort of mentored, taught to use the force. Talk, um, talking about midi-chlorians for some reason. Or jiu-jitsu, uh, one or the other. Despite all this indoctrination and brainwashing by Qui-Gon Jinn, he revolts on them, kills everyone. <laughs> <laughs> 
but saves Qui-Gon Jinn, which, you know, the other guy didn't, and ends up back in Gotham determined to reverse his city's fortunes. But it turns out there's an evil machination from a mysterious character called Raza Ghul and the League of Shadows who want to burn Gotham to the ground because it's basically become Rome and it needs to be returned to the dirt to build back better. Sure. Um, <laughs> which makes total sense. Doesn't mention that, you know, maybe America could send in armed forces to stop it or anything like that. It's just, mm. no, it's Batman. Well, I feel, I, like, I feel like Gotham is standing in for America in this yeah, movie I, in, a, in yeah, a very yeah. specific way. It's like totemic yeah. of, of America in general. America's decline, which is is interesting because I, you know, forgot that yes, this is quite close after September 11. So there's yeah, a sort just of a few years later, a, it would have been written even even sooner. And it was interesting that the League of Shadows seems to be a lot of Asian and dark skinned people, not necessarily mm. African American, I guess, but dark skinned. They definitely were no Middle Eastern people in no. the League of Shadows. No, no. Definitely, they they, they just quite, keeping a quite, fine line, a fine yeah. determined line between that kind of terrorist and our comic book kind of terrorist. Don't although, be- although they are explicitly terrorists, which I think is interesting and, and worth talking about. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yes, it's it's basically Batman has to do that while making friends with the only good cop in town, which is Gary Oldman. No, not not Jim Gordon, the the actor Gary Oldman. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah. the actor Gary. <laughs> Gary, you've got to help me. <laughs> okay, Batman. And then uh, Katie Holmes is there. And also uh, Katie Holmes is there, yes. Yes. And also a bunch of other people, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. What um, What can you tell us about the making of this film or how this film came about? How did well, Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale get involved? Stew film historian, take it away. <laughs> so I'll try to keep it pretty brief because it was a long and convoluted direction. So we, we talked, um, I think we talked last week, but Batman and Robin basically was a success, but it wasn't as big a success as Warner Brothers needed it to be, and also people hated it instantly. So those two factors combined meant that they did not move forward with any more Joel Schumacher movies. Joel Schumacher thought he was going to get a third film. He was prepared to come back. He was ready to take some notes and make it darker. He, he He's claimed in... Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, he's he's claimed in, in subsequent interviews, um, and of course he's passed away now, but, like, you know, when he was doing, like, oh, interviews... Oh, yeah, he died, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he passed away uh, last year, I want to say, or maybe the yeah. year before, but, yeah, like, recently. He but, wasn't yeah, that no. old either, like, or maybe no. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, 60s or something? Yeah, Yeah, I think in his 60s. He had said that he was willing to, you know, dial it back and, you know, do something a bit darker and a bit, you know, more serious and not not as not as sort of campy and silly. He, we'll still have nipples he... on the bat suit, guys. But I mean, we'll look, he probably would have of... stood firm on that, yeah. Yeah, we'll make them sort of grosser or something. We'll put rings in them. We'll put, <laughs> we'll put nipple rings we'll on the We'll put nipple rings. Suit. Wait, I'm getting a weird reaction. Like, I'm, I'm sensing that's the wrong direction. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but so basically... Hey, he, he... shoo, shoo. All this time, Batman's been wearing a utility belt. Imagine if he could just have the, the shark <laughs> repellent the hanging off the nipples. It you know, makes he, perfect sense. He could you know, use his grappling hook. He could he could hoist himself up like it. You <laughs> oh, know. grappling hooks! We'll get to grappling yeah. hooks. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, he was ready to go. He was he kept pushing to make a third film, but Warner Brothers sort of did the the Hollywood equivalent of backing away slowly, going, "Yeah, sure, okay, we'll see you soon, Joel," and uh, never. <laughs> He never made another Batman film. In the meantime, they were kicking around a bunch of different scripts. So they basically ordered a a script called, uh, it's either called Batman Unchained or Batman Triumphant. 
um, which would have been a continuation of like the Burton verse films. And interestingly, this one did have the Scarecrow in it. So the Scarecrow has been involved like from the beginning of development of this movie. So he's he was he was always going to be the next villain. But weirdly, that script also involved the Joker coming back as like a hallucination. And also it would have featured the first on-screen like live action appearance of Harley Quinn, who in oh. that version was going to be the Joker's daughter who was trying to avenge her father's death. Ah. Um, so that would have been how. Now, I don't know whether they were going to try and get Jack Nicholson back to play the Joker. Um, I assume he would have said no. So I don't know what they would have done there. But this this was the film that was going to have Coolio as the scarecrow in it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Which is just bananas. Um, I'm spending most of my life living in a Gotham paradise. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these weird neon lights living in this Gotham paradise. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> Okay, and so sorry. Then, you realize now I need to write Gangster's Paradise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling. I felt that idea coalesce as we were doing it. Oh no, um, I'm gonna have to do it. It's yeah. it's like Game of Thrones all over again. It I has to the happen. Song idea. I have to do it now. Oh no. <laughs> and so that that was happening. And in the meantime, at the same time, and this is this is really interesting. Warner Brothers were like, "Hey, everyone seems to like Batman. Like, let's just make two Batman movies." And so they commissioned at the same time this script called Batman Dark Knight, which is spelled D A R capital K N I G H. If you can picture that, um, <laughs> Sorry. so Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Dark Knight. So that one would have been largely inspired by the comic uh, The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller, which is about a uh, sort of a. a, a formerly retired Batman coming out of retirement to, to take up crime fighting once again. And that also was going to feature Scarecrow, but it would have also featured Man-Bat, who is a pretty weird... I, I don't know whether you're aware of that character, Natalie, but he's... I um, was not. The only yes. one I'd heard of similar was... I think, is it in The Tick where there's Batman well? There's Batman well, know. yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, in- Man-Bat is like the Hulk, but he turns into a giant bat. Um <laughs> Sorry, that kind of yeah. sounds like something from, you know, we were talking about Batman Forever and the crazy weird bat cutscene. Yes, well, exactly. He basically <laughs> looks like that. He's a giant, like, man bat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's... I love the way you were searching for something else to say. I mean, there's, there's no better way to say that. He's a there's giant. There's no other way. He's a giant man bat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, he. Um... It's, just, it's just so funny when you reverse words around how silly they sound. Which, which is like... absolutely how they came up with the idea for that character. Batman um, sounds cool. What Batman. if we did Man Bat? Man Bat. Ah, think about, think ta- about Bat Girl. Girl Bat. <laughs> 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 like it sounds like all of a sudden all your superheroes are being named by toddlers. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, it's not far off from the truth. <laughs> so that, that sort of was in development at the same time. Both of those scripts kind of fizzled out. And then they had decided they wanted to do a live screen adaptation of the cartoon Batman Beyond. So this was part of the sort of the DC animated universe at the time. Batman Beyond was about an older Bruce Wayne who trained up like a younger guy to be Batman after him. And he was more of like a Peter Parker sort of jokey sort of figure, but like it was set in like the near future. So you got to be, to have a Batman who was like more like futuristic and science fictiony. Oh, I see. Um, which was, yeah, the, the cartoon is 
great. It's fantastic. And they wanted to make a, a live action version of that. That fizzled out. In the meantime, as we've talked about, uh, the Tim Burton Superman movie had sort of also fizzled out at the, around the same time. Like they were basically just throwing money for drafts and just coming up with these things. And it's like, nope, that's not good. Put that in the drawer. What else have we got? At meantime, Catwoman came out uh, with Halle Berry. Oh, uh, yes, and of course. That, that, that had been through its own development hell at that point because they had yeah. started work on that immediately after Batman Returns. So that finally sort of came out. That was in 2004, if you can believe it. So so 2004, the year before this film, Catwoman comes out and is, again, sort of ridiculed as like a, a terrible movie, which it is. Do you so, reckon uh, it's worse than Batman and Robin? This is the thing. Uh, yes, I think it absolutely is worse than Batman and Robin. Yeah, um, I think from, that movie is the, just atrocious. I, I don't think I've seen the whole of it, but just the bits that I've seen. It looks real bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep saying like Batman and Robin. People will defend Batman and Robin as as being like entertainingly bad, which I disagree with. I think it gets it gets to be a real slog towards the end. Yeah. Um. But Catwoman is dire. It is a mm. dire movie. A complete waste of everyone's time. In the meantime, they, they, uh, Warner Brothers had also been working on uh, a Batman vs Superman movie. They had always wow, yeah, yeah. That that had been in the in the mix because they 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 wanted to get Superman back. Superman hadn't really been an active screen presence since the Christopher Reeves movies, and that and that had sort of petered out in the eighties. I'm sorry, Stu, I can't let that stand. Lois and Clark, the New Adventures of Superman. Well, but but this is it exactly. So so Superman was in the pop culture. He was he was out there but you know and then smallville i guess i never watched smallville but that would have yeah small, smallville was ago. around yeah yeah that, that was around at that time as well and so he he was a presence on television but he hadn't jumped back to to movies at that stage and so they were like well let's put them both in like you know they're, they're our two big superheroes let's put them in a movie together so that was always sort of percolating along in the meantime this idea of doing like batman year one so there's a famous frank miller comic from the late 90s called batman year one which sort of looks at Batman Begins, basically, like how he, his origin story. And that had been sort of petering along the, the entire time, that, that that idea of, okay, well, what if we what if we just rebooted the whole thing? Like, we're, we're getting caught up in all this, you know, convoluted, you know, ways to tie it into the existing movies. Just jettison the lot. Let's just make a new Batman movie. And so that's eventually what they did. They, they hired a writer. So, so David S. Goya came on, who had uh, already written uh, the Blade trilogy at that point. I think all three Blade movies that come out at that point. I've never seen the Blade movies. Oh, really? No. Oh, wow. The, the first two are legitimately, like, great, and the third is entertainingly, like, terrible. Um, and so they bring on Christopher Nolan, and he brings on his brother, uh, Jonathan Nolan, who is does a lot of the screenwriting uh, for his movies. Oh, yeah. At this point, Nolan had done Memento, which had been, like, a massive deal and he had just come off uh doing insomnia which i actually haven't seen um i haven't it's, seen uh, insomnia either yeah Is apparently it's robin quite good williams one? it's got no. al pacino and robin williams yeah it absolutely yeah, yeah yeah that's it um, i haven't seen that one but it's one of robin williams's dark turns isn't it yeah famous, exactly yeah. yeah that's it so yeah the, that he'd done some interesting and intriguing sort of dark psychological low budget movies and so they're like hey you want to helm the next batman movie and he's like yes actually that sounds really fun uh (laughs) but the idea for it was at that point they were like okay well if we're going to do this 
then it can't be like the Burton films. Like, like everyone agreed that they had to just completely do their own thing. And they're like, okay, well, let's go back to first principles with this. How would this actually work? How would a guy who has lots and lots of money, how would he go about being Batman? Mm. And that's basically the driving theme behind the, the movie. There's obviously actual like cinematic and, and story themes, but like the driving impetus of the movie is let's take this seriously and just think about how would this actually work in the real world as much as we can make that possible while still making it a Batman movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they did, and it rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, just before you move on from Superman, though, totally, um, yeah. there was a Superman Returns movie in there somewhere around uh, yeah, well, There was, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so that was... Um, Brandon Routh, I think. Yeah, Brandon Routh as Superman, of course. Yeah, yeah, and um, with uh, the... <laughs> X-Men director, oh, uh, yes. Brian Singer. The, and Kevin since, Spacey. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not, whole, a, um, not a fun pair. bunch of problematic right there, but... Made in uh, Australia, though, that one. They filmed that in Australia. Yeah, filmed in Sydney, um, yeah. which you can tell in certain shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite obvious. Yeah, and so, so that... That was sort of the, the Superman movie that came out of that development cycle. But in the meantime, that sort of came and went. It got it got sort of weirdly mixed reviews. I, I remember quite liking it at the time, but a lot of people were quite worried because it was basically they did that thing where they ignored the the last two movies in the Superman movie. So he was meant to be the Christopher Reeve Superman. Yes. Who at the end of the second movie had gone off to find Krypton, basically. Mm. And just sort of left everyone for a couple of years and when he came back Lois Lane has a kid yeah surprise surprise you know yeah I remember that's I remember being very annoyed by the casting of Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane oh really yeah I just remember like Lois Lane to me should be a feisty determined gritty newspaper journalist and Kate Bosworth was so bland they and the way that they dressed they did that thing where they they're trying to be modern but also kind of in the 40s. So they dressed her in these really bland tweed yeah. outfits and she was so thin. Like she's so – Kate Bosworth is one of those people who, mm. you know, sound the alarm kind of thing. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, I, and, and then so she has a kid. But not only does she have a kid, she has a Nobel Prize and she's about 25. And it just made me <laughs> yeah. so mad that as a journalist who at the same time was around the same age – was like, well, that's not, I don't have a Nobel Prize, not a Nobel Prize, a Pulitzer Prize, because she won a Pulitzer Prize for writing about how they don't need Superman. Yes, in a, in a, a moment of dramatic irony. Yes. Um, that that movie, however, does still have maybe one of the, would, would I say the single best Superman moment on film? I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd oh, go really? that far, but it's it rules. Is the the, the airplane rescue, the flight oh, rescue from that movie? It Vaguely, rules. yeah. That's where he turns uh, up for the first time and they see his... Yeah, yeah, where, where, yeah. He, where he comes back for the first time and he saves yeah. the plane load of people and, like, the it has the, the classic theme. Oh, uh, that's and right. Everything. They and it, that. it yeah. just... Yeah, because it's a continuation of those movies, so it has, like, the... Mm. It has the theme. It has the Superman theme. And that really... There's just something about that theme, Natalie. It's it, a good it one. Just, it just rules. It, it's, it just embodies <laughs> Superman in a way that is kind of fundamental. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I want to sing it right now, but you know yeah. what's going to happen, Stu. What's I'm going to end up singing the theme to Lois and Clark. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, which you always do. <laughs> which I always do because I can't get it out of my head. You go to you go to sing the, the, the John Williams Superman theme and we actually get the theme to Lois and Clark. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let me see if I can do it. Is it, is it a da, 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 da. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the You're Superman. on track. You're on that's track. That's the problem, yes. isn't it? Da, da, that's da, still da, Superman. Da, da. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. 
because Lois and Clark is that's it that's right absolutely it's 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 close enough because they were aping the John Williams theme but it's just different enough to like be its own thing and be instantly recognizable when you sing it and once against you I don't know how to do my taxes but I can sing absolutely but enough about movies that aren't Batman oh yeah good point Batman. <laughs> so yeah, so then this movie comes out. They cast Christian Bale as Batman. He was coming directly off a movie called The Machinist, um, which I don't know whether you've seen. Uh, Nat, I he... have not seen it, but it's the one that he like lost half his body weight for, and then yeah, he, went he, he got down. Batman. He he lost literally half his body weight. He got down to about fifty five kilos, um, and that he looks crazy. like a terrifying skeleton man. Yeah. Um, and then in the in the in the course of about three months, I want to say he only had a few months to sort of prepare for Batman, and so he then put on fifty kilos of muscle. So much so that he put on too much muscle, and they said, "Actually, can you slim down a bit?" Oh wow! But he got too bulky. He got too swole. Yeah, he got too swole. I'm sure through no. All through natural uh, building of muscle. There, there well, was yeah, no, I assume uh, they would yeah. have supplied him with, you know, dudes to come around to his house and. I mean, yes, exactly. Make yeah. him do push-ups and stuff. Yes. Because um, yeah, he's very powerfully built in this, but he's not like super. He's not like Bane from Batman and Robin level of. No, no, jacked. that's that's right, exactly. Uh, so yeah, so he he had an incredible physical transformation. At this point, he was most well known, obviously, for American Psycho. He played Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Um, a weirdly Bruce Wayneian figure in yes. many ways. In fact, there were there are a few moments I haven't seen American Psycho. I've just seen lots of clips and lots of yes. pictures of him yeah. in the. It's a hard role to escape from because Christian Bale does have this slightly odd, yes. slightly evil look about him when he's sort of in the suit with the hair and I don't know. He just it, he plays it really well. I think that mm. the, you know those characters with the dark edge and which obviously was one of the reasons why he was a choice for Batman, I guess. And in, in Batman Begins, there's a few shots of him when he's Bruce Wayne, the playboy, and you're like, oh, yeah, looking a little bit Patrick Bateman. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, done up in, like, the tux and everything else. He, he's, yeah. he's very Patrick Bateman, um, which I think is why Nolan wanted him. He knew that he had that sort of darkness in him. Of course. Um, and also that he was used to playing guys who sort of put on a mask of a face for people. And I think that sort of really played into what he was looking for in, in the Bruce Wayne that he wanted in his his movie. So yeah, he was known. He was known. He was most known for that. He had already starred in a movie called Reign of Fire, uh, which I don't. I think we've I talked have about before. Seen that? Yes, with it um, was he and Matthew McConaughey. Him and Matthew it? McConaughey yeah. fighting dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that movie is a film that I have seen probably twice when it first came out. And I haven't seen it since, and I refuse to because in my head it lives on as one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and you don't want to spoil and it. And I know for a fact that it's not. Um, oh, so really? I'm just I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it. I as... remember it being pretty fun. Like I, yeah. I, I, it was one of those things where, of course, like Christian Bale's character was like the kid who accidentally unleashed the dragons and then still lives to yeah, exactly. You know, save the day or whatever. But it was it was a. Like, it's a fun concept. It was a fun concept for a film and a bit batshit crazy. And I don't know, at least it was kind of high concept in a way. Yeah, it was like, like what What if what if dragons came like today? What would the yeah. world look like? And the answer is we all live in castles again for some reason. Um, <laughs> well, it makes sense. Stone, yeah. you know, can't, can't burn stone. Uh, exactly. Hopefully. Exactly right. Hopefully. Unless you live at Harrenhal. Mm. But 
he was also in a movie. Uh, so that Reign of Fire was 2002. And then another movie called Equilibrium came out in 2002 with Christian Bale. That that one was uh, one of those like post-Matrix, you know, martial arts movies that every, everyone's oh, dressed yeah. in black and doing. It, it was the one that has uh, Gun Carter in it. It has like gun martial arts. That's right. Do you remember yeah. this? Like with a... I don't know that I <laughs> saw that one though. No, it's it's a ridiculous movie. Um, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. So he's coming on, and then he plays the machinist, and then he uh, hits Batman Begins, and he is a revelation as Bruce Wayne and Batman. Nolan had to fight very hard to cast him. I think the he was a bit unknown, and and, and the studio was a bit wary of... Because they, they got that vibe off him, that he was a bit weird and a bit strange, and they were like, well, I, I don't know if this guy is our like leading man hero. Well, that's the thing, because he wasn't... He was sort of known more as a... Or at least he seemed to want to be a character actor more than a leading yeah. man actor, which is tends to be, I imagine, what you're sort of going for with your Bruce Wayne Batman thing. Mm. Uh, although Michael Keaton, you could argue, was an unusual choice. But, yeah, and from everything I've heard about Christian Bale, you know, he goes super deep un, into character. He Wasn't he the one that famous, he was shouting on set at people, that tape that came out? Yeah, yeah, he was the one, yeah, he... People uh, on set and people were in his eyeline or something. That that was on the set of uh, the Terminator movie that he was in. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> How could I have never seen the original two Terminator films? But I saw the one that oh Christian Bale was in. That that causes me physical pain. And Sam way. Worthington. Yeah. Yeah. And that he was John Connor or something. Christian Bale was John Connor. Yes. Yeah. And he was yeah. yelling at people about how we are done professionally. I don't remember that. In the tape, in the tape, he was. Oh, that's right. In the tape, I thought you meant as John Connor. Yeah, no, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's how that's how deep he goes. That's how deep he goes, Natalie. Nolan had to fight really hard to get him and to sort of put his finger on the scale a bit. This footage exists online. He put Bale in the bat suit, so so he had him test as Bruce Wayne, and then he also had him test in the bat suit. And I think it's they must have had like old Batman costumes just in the Warner Brothers costume department somebody because, was telling me who was yeah, it? i somebody think it might was, have it might have been our good friend scott that might have been telling you off mic about this quite possibly yeah because there, there's a camera test and, and it exists on youtube you can go and look it up there's camera tests of christian bale a second actor whose name escapes me who was also in the running and cillian murphy as batman yes and Cillian Murphy did the screen test as a favor to Christopher Nolan because he was already sort of eyeing him for Scarecrow, but he wanted to put someone in who would contrast what Bale was doing as Batman. And it's really fascinating watching those three guys say the same lines. And maybe it's just because, you know, we've seen Bale as Batman before and, and we know it's the benefit of hindsight, like you know what he's going to do with the role, but it just works. There's something there that, just clicks when it's Bale in the Batsuit. I don't know what it is. It's just some special spark that the other guys just do not have. It's just something like that. It was the absolute right decision. He was the right guy at the right time to to be this Batman. Gosh, can you imagine Cillian Murphy? He's too pretty. He is. He's, very a, he's pretty. a beautiful man. Yeah, his mouth is like a heart shape. Yes, and in the Batsuit, it is deeply unsettling to see his beautiful <laughs> lips just sort of. 
poking out. <laughs> yeah, Christian Bale has very thin lips. Yes, yeah, yeah. The way the bat suit works, and I wanted to talk about this at, at some stage, like the way that all of the bat suits, like all of them, until we hit sort of Batfleck, I think once we hit Ben Affleck, they've figured it out somehow. But like all of the bat suits kind of force your mouth into this weird yes. like purse. You're kind yes. of doing this weird kissy face at everyone the entire time. And so if you have naturally thin lips, maybe that plays better. I'm not sure. Yeah. If you're a Val Kilmer, it just it just looks terrifying. <laughs> so yeah, and so they they made Batman Begins and it was and it ruled. Now, Nat, we normally do minute challenges. Do you want to go first on this one or would you like me to go first on this one? Look, my minute challenge, because I just finished watching the movie just before we started recording, mm. due to a snafu where all of the Batman the Batsman, the Batmans. The, bats the Batsmen men were on Stan in Australia, and the Batman was on Stan. It was. Uh, it was a Stan fan, and I went to sit down and <laughs> look at it, and then it wasn't there anymore. And so I went yes. to binge. It wasn't there either, and I looked it up on Just Watch, and it's like rent it. And so what I did was opened up the drawers on my TV cabinet and went. I have a sneaky suspicion that maybe this exists in my house on DVD, and thankfully <laughs> it did. Just put them all up. Stop taking things away from me. Well, not not the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight exists everywhere. All the streaming services have the Dark Knight. Yeah, but I have that on DVD. The good one. I need the Dark Knight Rises. Yes, exactly. I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> I don't want to pay to not understand Tom Hardy and whatever he's saying. <laughs> oh, we'll get there, Natalie. Don't you worry. <laughs> So I'm just keeping in mind Pete Booth, my friend, the magician Pete Booth, who I think wants to come on for The Dark Knight Rises because it's his favourite. Mm. Uh, because I think he listens to these. I don't know for sure, but I'll just occasionally get messages in the middle of the night that say, you're wrong about The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe, I mean, this is the thing, Matt, this is the point of the rewatch and watching it in context. Maybe, maybe I'll completely change my opinion about The Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Well, I think otherwise we'll have to get Pete on to defend it. Oh, absolutely. That's what's happening. Oh my God. He's just messaged me. What? Oh my God. Is this, <laughs> is this, are you sending this out live? I just got a message from him saying, surprise, surprise, Natalie is gushing over Timothy Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> context. Referencing Context. a different podcast that you were on. A different podcast because I um, recorded a podcast back in June with the wonderful people at James Bond and Friends, which is a um, James Bond podcast. They found our podcast series from 2020, Stu, and my recaps, and they invited me on. And we recorded an episode about the theme was bow outs, so the final movies for each of the James Bonds mm. and, you know, were they good? Did, they, did it look like they were ready to go? Did it look like they were, you know... It went too early, all that kind of stuff. And it was really, I've really fun. To, I've listened to the episode. It's very good. Thank you. Well, I had a lot of fun meeting people. They're all very, like, super qualified. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> An intimidating themselves. list of, like, CVs. Know, it's crazy. Qualities and stuff. And, and they, they said, let's introduce ourselves. And, of course, they went around all the regulars. And then I'm there last going, wow, I'm uh, – I'm going to here to bring the tone down, I think is why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Pete has just started listening to that because I did gush over Timothy Dalton. <laughs> That's so funny that I was just talking about him. His ears must be burning. I'm just going to send him a message. I am just talking about you to Stu saying that you say we are wrong about Dark Knight Rises and I'll just see what he says. This is fascinating podcast listening, I'm sure. This is happening in real time though. As this is recording. real time. Real time podcasting people. That was people. just hilarious that I, I was... Um... I was talking about it, but yes, where was I? I will go first to our minute challenge because I had just watched the film 
Yes, rushed fresh in your mind. Because I had yeah. to find it. It's fresh in my mind, but also Pete's just responded saying, I'm coming on to defend it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it on, Pete. So I, can't I think wait. we'll have to have Pete, the magician, um, to come on and hopefully teach us a magic trick. All right. So I wrote, Liam Neeson is Qui-Gon Jinn. I did that joke already, yeah. but I mean- It's, it's a very a good joke. Very like good it's joke. a bit Qui-Gon Jinn, isn't it? Well, a little bit, yeah. He's, you know- If mentor. Qui-Gon Jinn turned out to be Emperor Palpatine. He didn't? Which honestly would have been a much better movie. <laughs> than The Force, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. I also felt like there was literally in a, a line where Liam Neeson talks about his wife and how she was she was taken from me. And I was like, does this- <laughs> Does this predate Taken? Because it's a little yeah, bit... Yeah, oh, it does. Absolutely. It's a little bit like, almost like Qui-Gon Jinn and the Taken character of Liam Neeson mixed. It's, it's almost <laughs> like you can see him passing from one to the other. Through a very Batman special set begins. of skills. Well, he does, though, in this movie. He does. I know. <laughs> Ninja skills. <laughs> I, will, I will find you. And I will structurally de- destroy your city from within. Yes, that's right. We already started. We started when you were a kid. We tried to do it with... Economics. <laughs> but that wouldn't make for a good movie. So now we're back with poison. So now we're back paper. with ninjas. Ninjas and poison flower water. <laughs> we're back to kill Gotham with potpourri. <laughs> we're back to we're back to kill Gotham with uh, those misters you see in David Jones. <laughs> or the ones you get in public bathrooms. It's essential, it's essential oils. <laughs> the fuses, <laughs> the sticks. You know, you sit the yeah. sticks in yeah, the yeah. fluid. Yeah, it's going to take a long time, but it's going to be worth. It. But it'll be worth it. You're going to have to really get up close to it now and really inhale <laughs> to smell it. It's supposed to be defresh in the room, but you got to really be on top of that. <laughs> and also, Liam Neeson looked so young. Weirdly, I don't know why. It's because he. It's well, like, I mean, it was just it was he just looked, earlier. He 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 had, he had there, there okay, was a moment he, in the mid two thousands when he sort of did that thing that some guys do, which I can only relate to too well. Where suddenly they look old. I'm going to protest against your remark. <laughs> right, That's a weird okay. Way of saying it. I'm going to argue against you. I'm going to launch a counterpoint. He looks younger in this movie than he did in Love Actually, which is a couple of years earlier. I think that's because like he has like quite dark sort of chestnut hair in this one. Like it's sort of yeah, I, I think, think just just his haircut and they gave him a dye yeah. job. Yeah. I think that might be it. I think that's literally it. And he's in pretty good shape in this movie too. Yeah, yeah, incredible. All that ninja fighting and Not that stuff. not that he's not always, but like, you know, just sometimes like he's in better shape than others and I feel like he really sort of put in the effort for this one. I think it gave him the taste because now what is Liam Neeson known for? Being a freaking old man action movies. Old man action movie hero. I think it gave him the taste. I I don't know what he did before that that was because he was um, known for, he did like Rob Roy. He did Rob Roy. Roy. He did like sword and, fighting and Rob Roy and stuff. Yeah, and he did Michael Collins. He was kind of all like, you know, adventure or romantic epics or historical epics and stuff. Like he didn't do super action. Mm. I will kill you if you don't return my family to me kind of thing. Anyway, every actor in this damn thing is British or Irish. <laughs> except for Katie yeah, Holmes. Well, except for Katie Holmes, and unfortunately. Maybe there are a couple of others, like minor characters, but every major character is British or Irish. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Like, except for Katie Holmes, I think all of the principal... Oh, and and Morgan Freeman, who I often forget, unfortunately. Of course. He's an honorary British. He was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. (laughs) Sure, exactly. So he's an honorary British slash Irish person. (laughs) (laughs) That movie where all the leads are English, of course. I mean, they are, except for uh, Kevin Costner. Yeah. I was about to say Alan Rickman. and No, he's German. No, he's not. Oh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. 
I need to watch that. It's been too long. Just thinking about it makes me happy. You know how you think about Batman and you feel yeah. happy? That's yes. how I feel about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I, I um, totally get it. So, yeah, ev- everyone. Christopher Nolan just went, I'm rounding up all my friends and we're all going to America to shoot Batman. Well, no, no. They filmed a lot of the uh, principal photography at Shepard and Studios in, in England. <gasps> That's right. Didn't they have a crazy name for it? Was that the story? Uh, I'm sure I heard the story that they were filming like it was a Christopher Nolan project. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I, yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but, yeah, it would have had some bizarre, like, code name. Intimidation Game. That was the code name. Oh, right. Okay, yes. Okay. Apparently, yeah, uh, The sense. Dark Knight was called Rory's First Kiss. <laughs> I like that. And, and quite right, too. Like, these aren't, like, anagrams or anything. Like, they're not, they're yeah. nothing that could possibly be linked to the actual film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I do like that we're entering the the that that wasn't really a thing in the eighties or the nineties, and now all of a sudden, like these big blockbuster movies have to have code names. So yeah, that well, people you have don't... the internet. Yeah, that, that's it. So people yeah. don't like post like set photos on the internet. Because back in the day, you would just rock up for work. It's not like you would take a camera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas at this like... point, I think this is pre iPhone. If it's two thousand and five, it's, it's... pre iPhone, but it's still like. But people had phones. cameras, like digital cameras and things. Yeah, and people had phones with basic photos on them, like yeah. grainy, you know, Zapruder footage style photos on them. But yeah, so I wrote that, uh, which makes sense then if they were filming in London. Joffrey. <laughs> It's in this movie. Yes, he is. Oh, Jack Gleason. And he Jack looks Gleason. the same as when he did in Game of Thrones. He does. He's, it's weird because he's he's like a little kid and not yes. like a teenager, but like he does look exactly the same. It's bizarre. And then you think about it, like that was 2005 and then Game of Thrones was 2010 when they filmed the first series, I guess. So yeah. it wasn't that long after. So uh, No, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Tom Wilkinson. Totally forgot he was in this film. Tom Wilkinson playing Carmine so he, Falcone. He lo- it's it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean the accent is It's a little bit shaky, but like he's doing shaky, he's doing a bit more of a cartoony sort of, you know, Yeah, Italian crime mobster, mob boss. Mobster, yeah, yeah, exactly. Look, I was okay with it because I thought that's kind of what my Italian mobster gangster sound voice would sound like. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad I could be as good as Tom Wilkinson. KH is okay? Question mark. I feel like she was mm. really okay. Yes, I mean, she always, yeah, sorry. Uh, Maybe we should come back to, is she on your list? I don't know if she, no, she's not on my list. Didn't make your Um, list. Although, no. I think she's very, mm, how would you put this? She has a very delicate speaking voice and quite a girly one. And I, I wonder if some of the backlash was because she sounds, her voice sounds kind of thin and reedy. So you've got Batman and you've got all these big characters and then she's <laughs> this is not the law. Yeah. I mean, she's not necessarily horribly miscast, but. I, I think she is miscast, but I think yeah. she does because it's like one of the few wrong notes in the movie, in, in a movie that is otherwise like perfectly executed. I think it really does stand out a lot more than it otherwise would. Yeah. I, I think when we get to the next movie and, you know, it, it's played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, you're like, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to work. Great. Mm. I, I get this. But like in this one, it's just sort of maybe, yeah, I think she was just miscast. She's not doing a bad job, but also I don't think she quite fits with everything that's going on around it. It's definitely not as bad as I remember. I remember not liking her in the movie and I, I've watched the movie many times since it first came out. And I remember every time just sort of being like, I don't like what she's doing. And then this time around, I was like, ah, it's fine. Like, whatever. She had a really 
really lovely moment, and Christian Bale did too, when he walks out of the hotel, as I mentioned at the start, where he's bought yes, the hotel. Yes, that is an swim. incredible moment. That was a beautiful moment where she, he's like walking out wet with the two girls in their robes and he's all like, I'm doing my fake Bruce Wayne thing. And then she goes, Bruce, and he turns around and you just see the smile fall off his face as he realises, oh, no, she's going to think I'm horrible and I'm not horrible, I'm trying to, you know, and she's going, okay, well, you've got to do what you've got to do. It was a lovely scene and I thought she played that pretty decently. So, Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he he did. I I also think she played the scene in the car where she sort of slaps him a bunch of times. Yes. Uh, You know, that that worked. I absolutely get that. And your father would be ashamed of you, yeah. Your father would be ashamed of you. Probably, I mean, a weird thing to say to someone who is clearly on the edge, uh, you know, and is about to walk off. I mean, what did she think happened? Like, did she feel guilty that, like, she was the last person to see him alive and then he disappeared? That's never really addressed. She slapped him a bunch of times, told him your father would be ashamed of you, and then Bruce Wayne disappeared, and that's never addressed in the movie. That's that's right. That's when he gives the guy money for his coat and jumps on board a barge to somewhere like takes a ship and goes overseas and 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 just wanders the world a criminal for a while yeah exactly yeah and one assumes that he went off without taking any money but somehow he's able to survive well i think that was the that was the point he just sort of had to yeah. go and because falcone says to him you know you you know men like you have so much to lose you know you call for your butler and it's you know and and it's fine you you don't you don't understand what struggle is so he has to go and learn. Well, speaking of struggle, <laughs> there are lots of ninjas, is what I wrote There down. sure are. Operation Destroy Gotham. Michael Caine is great. He uh, really is. Impeccable as always. So good. But yes, what I sort of wanted to say and what really struck me about this version is the movie is at pains, at great pains, to point out that Bruce Wayne's billions are okay because his family are really good people and capitalism is fine as long as you're giving (laughs) away money to the poor or you're building them high-speed trains that you yourself take to go to the opera. You're not in a fancy limo and that you're actually a doctor. Your family just happens to have a whole bunch of money, but you are a doctor at the hospital. You don't work at the company. You let someone else do that because you are, you know, and you keep that from your son, what you do do. You, You just want him to see you as a positive role model, as someone who helps people. And you were the one who rappelled down the well to fish Bruce out and you've got this massive house with heaps of empty rooms, but it's okay. You're a very close knit family where weirdly the mother never talks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that that is, that is a, a, I mean, the movie doesn't really have time, but it's all about the daddy son issues. The mother happens to have been killed. It's all about the daddy issues. And which, which is weird because like normally like losing his mum is, is way more, you know, like both his parents, but like, you know, often the fact that his mother was killed is often like the, the driving force of, of a comic version of Batman. Yeah. Well, it's the driving force of the uh, whole Batman V Superman Martha business. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't even hate, but Why we'll, you get say that. Name? We'll, we'll get to that. It's very much focused on daddy Wayne. Michael Caine even makes a, Alfred makes a point of saying that, Oh yes, the Wayne's your great, great grandfather during the civil war helped, liberate slaves on the underground railway and in these very 
That is from the comics. That's oh, is not it? something that they invented. Like oh, there's okay. there's a lot of work has been done over the years to make the Waynes like heroic in many ways over over history. Yeah. Like, Bruce doesn't come out of a vacuum is the point. No, no, no. But it's really interesting that that's really pressed in this film more than other films have ever constant. It's always just been, yes, he's got rich parents and they died and it was sad. This one is Yeah, like, totally. No, no, because no. other films are deeply uninterested in exploring Batman as a character. That he's a ah, he's a okay. he is a vehicle but, for action. But you have to admit that there's a certain amount of the Wayne's Oh, they they were doing their best to help put money into. It's not sure, capitalism's look, look, fault. Like, do you in, know in what I mean? 20, in twenty twenty one, it is a weird thing to see a movie bend over backwards to make billionaires look like good people. That that American... is a central thing of of the of the Batman mythos, though, is that yeah. Batman is like you just have to. It's one of the things I, I find it really interesting that nowadays it's way more hard to sell that Batman is a billionaire who happens to be a nice guy <laughs> rather yeah. than that he dresses as a bat and fights crime, or that he's building rocket ships to go to space. Yeah, exactly. Like that's or... fine, but hang on, but all billionaires are, are bad, though. Like I don't understand what's going on there. It's just interesting to see like the, the social I, I, things I just turn. found because. They, they just every opportunity they could, they pointed out how amazing the Waynes were, and and that's the thing. Like it's one of the central conceits that you just have to buy into. Yes, I know. For, for I just, Batman to work, well, I just like really for the noticed, idea of Batman. Yeah, and I know that he had to be super. He has to be super, super rich so he can afford all this stuff. Sure, exactly. But he also has to be super clever so he can make it himself because yeah. there's nobody he can trust beyond Alfred. Um, Except in this one, like, they explain how he would actually, like, do that. Yes. He would have someone like a Lucius, Lucius Fox? Lucius, Lucius Fox. Lucius Fox. Lucius. I'm thinking of Lucius Malfoy. Lucius Malfoy? <laughs> Draco's dad. You know the one I mean. So, yeah, that's my list, basically. I didn't really – I wrote heaps of notes while watching the film, which I can kind yes. of go through. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll like, get to it. you know, swear to me and – Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of what I could immediately remember off the top of my head in a minute – but over to you. So uh, the first item on my list is swear to me, <laughs> which um, I, I can I can viscerally remember watching that in the theater, just vibrating in my seat, going yeah. like, "Oh, they get it, they get it. This and is this I, is it." Could I make a point about that moment though? Yes. So Batman pulls up that cop. He's like the corrupt Flass, cop. Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Flass. Flass. Yeah. Flass. Yes. How does he pull Flass up? Uh, he catches him with a, I think it's like a like a snare or something and pulls yeah, him up with a grappling hook. A grappling hook. Okay, yeah. a grappling hook. Does he stop to ask Flass how much he weighs? <laughs> if he weighs 108 pounds? Does he do that, Stu? Just refresh my memory. <laughs> no, he does not. There is no, no mention of Flass's no. weight. There no, is no right. suggestion that Batman needs to recalibrate. Well, and can I can I just say, Natalie, because this Batman is good at his job. <laughs> um, he isn't a hopeless nincompoop. <laughs> some some fans of the '89 Batman will that'll be tough to hear, but um, <laughs> it's true. Christian Bale's Batman is better in every single measurable way than the 1989 Tim Burton version. Uh, fight me. Uh... <laughs> I'm not going to die on that hill, Stu. I, I can tell. So, yes, no, I just thought that was really funny that that was the grappling hook moment that made me laugh. <laughs> it was like I'm just pulling this guy up. No question of weight. No question of yeah. Yeah, exactly. He just goes up and then he goes down and then he yep. does the funny little thing uh, where he sort of takes him all the way down and then just sort of drops him, which, is, which is great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to take that opportunity too to just talk about the bat voice for a second. 
Oh yes. Um, another controversial aspect of this movie. I know, I know some people some people love it, some people hate it. I don't like it. It's not my favorite thing. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, because I mean, it, it originates here. Bat- Batman didn't growl previously. Like, like you know, the Batmans that we've seen up until now. I mean, you know, George Clooney's not even bothering to do any sort of weird voice for Batman. You know, Michael Keaton and uh, Val Kilmer are doing like a Batman voice, but they're not doing like a growl like like Bale's doing here. I know, like, like in the development of this, like, like Bale has said that he wanted to have something that felt sort of animalistic, and he wanted to have something that would also like mask his voice, which is fine. I, I do get that, but I don't know. It just, it just, it limits what he can do as Batman. I think in a way that is probably a misstep. I think, and it certainly becomes almost comical by the by the third movie because you know, like, like in, in moments like this, it rules. You know, yeah. because he's he's like you know you know growling at this corrupt cop. He's like you know I swear to God, swear to me. Yeah. You know it, it rules, but then he tries to have conversations with people, and you can only get out like short phrases when you ha- when you're using that yeah. voice. So he yes. says he's saying this thing to Rachel. Like, it's not what I do with my actions. You know, and it, it just becomes <laughs> Cookie. It's Cookie Monster. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. it, it just. Cookie monster after a big night out. Yeah, exactly. You know, what I, not, not who I am on the inside, but yeah. what I do that defines me. And he, he's getting out of breath because he needs to, it's, he, it takes a lot of breath to push out that, um, yes, that, that, that voice and sound. Mm. It, it doesn't make for big speeches, basically. Unfortunately, he's exactly. not called on to make too many, but you know. Although, interestingly, I, it was interesting doing this rewatch because I noticed that he doesn't do the voice the whole way through. When he's talking to Rachel in the Batcave, he actually kind of drops it. He's doing like more of a whisper like a Michael Keaton-ish sort of voice when he's yes. sort of talking to her and telling her about the fear toxin. But then later, like, he's like, you know, no, no way I'm on the outside. You know, and it's like, ah, uh, okay. what I do that defines me. And she's it's like, what I do that defines me. <laughs> Bruce? Bruce? And then she's like, Bruce, what? It's an interesting choice. It's definitely a choice, but it did become, I guess, ripe for parody. And I think probably the most famous one for me is uh, Ahmed in Community, who's constantly dressed yes. as Batman and... Yeah, Abed, Abed in community. Abed, is, um, not Abed. Yeah. yeah, sorry, Abed. Going like, I'm uh, the hero they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and of course, um, for for me, the singular uh, parody of this version of Batman is um, College Humor's Bad Man. I know. I hope that you have seen that, Natalie, because I sent the link to you before yes, we, we went. Yes, you did. But, Stu, I haven't had a chance yet because I had to jump <laughs> on and do the podcast because Stan well, didn't have the film when I, I first went exactly. to watch it. Well, look, I will, I will encourage you and all the listeners to go look for Badman uh, from College Humor. It is fantastic and it's a, a note perfect parody of these things and the first one is bat with batman choosing his batman voice and he goes through all the different possible voices he could do he tries like a high-pitched one he's like ah swear to me you know and <laughs> it's, it's great it's great i'm not doing it justice it's very good the, the character that they then sort of come up with is this batman who is an absolute imbecile uh the, the riddler gives him a riddle he's like wait i know this one i i can get it I, i'm sure uh uh and the riddles like, riddles like it's very simple if i just tell you the answer no no don't tell me don't tell me, I'll get it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that voice. It's that voice, which is so easy to parody, you know, and it's it's a slight misstep 
but I think in this movie it works. I think in in, in later movies it's sort of I, yeah. I I have co-opted. a memory from The Dark Knight of him doing a speech about the people of Gotham being nice and they won't yes. murder oh, each other, God, Joker, yeah, yeah. and it's like it just goes on for too long with that yeah. voice. Yeah, that's the one where they do it a little bit too long, and then in The Dark Knight Rises it just goes into self parody where he's like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get a, there. It's a real festival of unintelligible oh, voices. Oh boy, yeah. I mean that that, that whole movie is full of people who are not enunciating clearly. <laughs> Where's the detonator? I don't know where the detonator is. It's just a <laughs> What did you say? <laughs> I can't hear you. Who's I, I can't first? understand you. I can't understand you. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I'm going to have oh, a lot of fun when we get to there. The next time on my list was uh, Bale Begins. Uh, we've talked a lot about Christian Bale, uh, just mm. how he came to the role and all that sort of thing. I had, uh, why, why do we fall, Master Way? <laughs> Which is uh, which was going to be my excuse to talk about uh, Michael Caine, Michael Caine, uh, who I'm is uh, superfluous. Uh, not not I was about to say superfluous, superlative in yeah. this film. He took uh, the back car out, blew the bloody perfect. doors off, <laughs> <laughs> and he did. That, that's the next item on my list. Is the tumbler? Uh, is that what it's you, called? It I is called work the tumbler. Out what they were it saying the tumbler. And I only ever associate tumbler with weird internet stuff now. Yes, so exactly. This is pre-tumbler tumbler. Yeah. Um, but this um, uh, a new sort of imagining of what the Batmobile is, uh, which also is very cool. It, it's, it is it's, cool, yeah. They kind of carry this on then into the um, into the Snyder um, films with Batman, where he's driving like basically a giant tank around. Yeah, it um, makes so much more sense than a drag racer or a speed racer. Like, well, having said that, I, I I really like that in the new Robert Pattinson movie, he's got a car again. I, I really like that. I oh, like that he? a lot. What, what kind of car is it? Well, I mean, it looks like they've gone sort of old school. He's basically got like a black, like roadster sort of thing. Okay. Um, it's, it's not like a hyper stylized sort of Burton Batmobile. It's more like an actual car, which I really like. It's not something we've seen on screen a lot. The last time we sort of saw Batman with a car, it was 66 Batman. Yes, that's with true. With the Batmobile. Um, and it, it kind of looks a bit like that, which is interesting. It's, it's in those trailers, if you go back, when he sort of, he runs down the Penguin. But having said that, I really like the Tumblr in this. Mm. Uh, movie I think it's a really cool design it's a cool idea the idea that it was like surplus military equipment a, a lot of Batman's equipment in this was basically like stuff that they were developing for the military and they just they warehoused and, and because he owns expensive. the warehouse yeah Batman owns the warehouse so he he just takes what he wants it's great the next item on my list was uh, holy multiple father figures Batman so there's three different father figures in this movie which is uh, really interesting so we've got so hang on uh, so Ra's al Ghul so there's Ra's al Ghul there's Alfred and then there's Thomas Wayne, obviously. Oh, oh, yeah, of course, his actual father. His actual father. <laughs> yeah, they spend a lot and, of and time. And also Jim Gordon. Him. I mean, you could also include Jim Gordon in that a little bit. Oh, I see more, him more as like a fun uncle. Uh, sure, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's very true. He's got a fun, fun uncle vibe. And so I think that it, this, is, this is a movie about, not, not about fathers, but, but certainly like what, what we choose to build our philosophy on, our personal philosophy. Yeah. And do you take it from, you know, your your father who who died or do you take it from your adopted family or do you take it from the father figure who was there all along? And in the end, it's a bit of all three. You take what works and, and throw away what, what doesn't work for you, which is interesting. Then uh, I had written down, um, who takes their kid to a weird bat opera? <laughs> uh I now, so wanted to discuss this with you. Because, yeah, yeah, it's like, weird. 
The guy is, is literally scared of, you know, things and they take him to a, you know, everyone's wearing masks and has headgear on. And I'm pretty sure it's that. supposed to be Faust, like the opera Faust. Oh, I see. Um, which is about selling your soul to the devil. Deal with um, the devil, yes. Deal with the devil, which, of course, uh, Batman rejects uh, because Ra's al Ghul uh, translated is the demon's head. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, it's a nice bit of shifty, shifty uh, identity, identity theft from... Uh, well, yes, I mean, so I, I wanted to talk about that too, but but just to just to finish the thought. So in the in the comics and in a lot of versions of the cartoons and everything like that, if they do the origin story, they'll usually go to the movies, and the movie that they'll usually see is some version of Zorro. Um, oh, okay. Which is like a fun swashbuckly and very popular uh, masked in the 40s, man. Yeah, I exactly. Imagine, yeah, or, yeah, thirties, forties. So someone pointed out if Batman was alive today that the movie he probably would have seen as a 10-year-old would have been The Mask of Zorro with Antonio Banderas. Yes, <laughs> that is true now, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That was uh, in, fact, in fact, Robert Pattinson's, Robert Pattinson's Batman probably went to see he that movie with, seen, his kid, yeah, with his parents. Yeah, sure. So yeah, no, normally, normally he goes and sees uh, Zorro with his parents before they're killed. Also, uh, we had the, the origin story. Again, now fortunately it fits with this movie, but we're starting to repeat ourselves, I think. With <laughs> Although having said that, I think we, we did get an interesting incarnation. This is definitely one of the best versions of it, I think. I'm not sure what you think about it, but like just the, the way that Thomas and Martha Wayne in this aren't faceless people. Like Thomas especially is like a, a fully realized character to us at, at, the, at that point. Yes. He actually like is active within the scene. Like he's, he's trying to calm Joe Chill down. He's like, hey, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. I'll give you my wallet. It's not a problem. Here, have, have the wallet. You know, it's not a problem. And the shooting isn't malicious. It's just a dumb accident that happens. Like, like they're getting mugged, but like Joe Chill doesn't set out to like shoot them both dead. Is that he's what not, his like, name kill. is? Joe Chill? Yeah, his name is Joe Chill. As in C-H-I-L-L. Yes. Yeah. That, that that's from the comics too. That's is from the it? comics. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that, that had been that had been long established in the comics by this point. Oh wow! And he yeah. was just a random who needed money for drugs or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, kind, uh, they kind of painted him as like, give me well, like he that shaky sort of. That that's the vibe I got anyway. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. And in, in most versions, some sometimes they try to make him a bit more significant. Um, and I don't think those stories ever really work. But but mm. the the point is, he's just a guy. Like he was just a, a poor guy living in an alley who was robbing people for money so he could buy food. Yeah, that's the point. Like you know, it, it's just you're not going to fix things by beating up individual muggers. You have to become a symbol of something bigger so that the system changes. Yes, yeah. You have to become an idea. Become an idea. Incorruptible. Working for a corrupt group of super assassins. <laughs> yes, exactly. Whatever, Liam Neeson. And speaking of which, um, uh, the last time on my list was uh, Liam Neeson as Henry Ducard. Wink. I don't know <laughs> whether you remember this, Natalie, but it was a massive surprise that he was he was playing Ra's al Ghul. Was it? It was huge surprise. Massive twist. They 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 managed to keep it under wraps up until quite close to the film's release and then a script leaked online like the actual shooting script and then like some fan sites started confirming that he was actually playing Ra's al Ghul but I deliberately like sort of kept myself at arm's length of spoilers and I went into this movie knowing that there was like something like twisty about the movie and I still didn't see it coming which is insane because Liam Neeson as he appears in this movie looks exactly like Ra's al Ghul in the comics. Oh does he? 
He does. He looks exactly <laughs> like Ra's al Ghul looks in the comics. Ken Watanabe does not look like Ra's al Ghul does in the comics. Who did um, he play? He played like the decoy Ra's al Ghul. Oh, in the first bit. In the yeah. first bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the guy we think is Ra's al Ghul, and Liam Neeson is playing someone who he says his name is Henry Ducard. Right. Um, and he says he works for Ra's al Ghul. I work for Ra's al Ghul. It's like a Santa Claus situation. It turns out he is Ra's al Ghul. Now, Ra's al Ghul, I don't know whether you know his deal in the comics, Natalie, but Ra's al Ghul is like thousands of years old and can uh, reinvigorate himself using things called Lazarus pits. I feel like I've heard of the term Lazarus pit, but maybe that's a Bible thing? I don't know. Well, I mean, it is a Bible thing, but it's like a reference to Lazarus rising from the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Mm. Okay, so there was no pit in the Bible. That's where I, I've gotten. No, it was a cave, I think. It sounds like a nightclub. <laughs> the Lazarus Pit. Yeah. <laughs> it probably... means you, you walk out at 5 a.m. feeling fresh and revitalized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, if someone at DC Comics hasn't written like a Batman comic with a club called the Lazarus Pit, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> but yeah, and so in an effort to make it far more realistic, they definitely dial it back. And so it's left very nebulous sort of what Ra's al Ghul's whole deal is exactly how old he is or how how long the league of it's it's said that like the the league of shadows has been around for a long time thousands of years but Ra's al Ghul is presented as like as Liam Neeson portrays him he's the most recent sort of head and is Ra's al Ghul a title that gets passed down from man to man you know right but they also have that sort of they have that little nod to the comics because he he sort of leaves him for dead. He saves him from the exploding dojo. He does. And then um, I noticed that Liam Neeson of Rajagul later says, you set you left my me place on fire it's and like, left me for dead. And he's like, no, like, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> he saved you, made sure you're okay, and then buggered off. He didn't leave you for dead. He, like, almost broke his arm in two to, like, do a massive bicep curl to pull you off a cliff. <laughs> well, you were unconscious, bro. Because after all, Natalie, what is the use of all those push-ups? <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I got completely fooled by that twist. And I'd be interested to know if someone was coming in cold, whether they would clock that if that was even a twist for them, like if that well, was a, a thing. It's funny because the twist, when it was actually revealed, it wasn't really accompanied by a massive music shift that I noticed. Like I, I feel like yeah, a he Marvel just sort of movie, comes into frame. Yeah, yeah, he comes into frame, and Christian Bale just goes, oh. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you're not Razal Ghul. You're a, you're a decoy. You're a plaything, or something like that. He says you're a stage name for the real Razal Ghul, or something like that. And it's just yeah. there. I feel like maybe I've just been spoiled by Marvel movies, but I feel like these days there would be a big shift in music, and there'd be more camera action panning around the sure, yeah. bale, looking more. Maybe time has left it lost on me, but it just seemed obvious from the start that Liam Neeson would be the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was trying to make him chop a guy's head off. Like all this stuff about you've got to become a member of the League of Shadows and we destroy things. And then all this brainwashing and then Christian Bale is still like, yeah, now I'm going to set the place on fire and let all of you die. Mm. But don't worry, I won't use guns and kill people. (laughs) Although he does say, what does he say to Razakul at the end? It's like, I don't have to, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you. But I don't have to save you. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's not technically great. Technically correct. Not it's great. Technically correct. They're not the quite best there. Form of correct. <laughs> it's another slight misstep that the movie makes, where mm. 
yeah, it's like, oh, that's not really what Batman does, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> they haven't quite got there. They, they this this movie gets so much right that the little things that they kind of stumble on really stand out to me because they get so much right about because they have a whole extended conversation between like Ducard as he is then and Bruce just talking about you need vengeance and he's like that that won't work for me and he's like well why not? It's like well I, I had my shot at vengeance and I didn't get it and the point of this version of Batman is that he walked right up to that line and he was ready to cross it and someone crossed it for him. And now I did wonder, like, do you think he would have actually shot that Joe chill dude? Yeah, I think he would have. I think he was going there to shoot him. Yeah. And I think that Bruce Wayne in that moment would have shot Joe chill. And what I, what I love about that is that he has that realization that he was that far gone. He kind of sees Joe chill die in front of him and realizes that it's not the catharsis that he needed. Mm. You know, watching this guy die painfully just like his parents did. And then he, you can see later, like, he, he goes and he he looks at that gun and he just gets this look of disgust and anger on his face and he throws it into the river. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, no, I, I reject this. I've seen what this is. I've seen yeah. what it does to people. I reject it. Which is why having Batman, like, just mowing down dudes with a machine gun in later movies strikes me as hollow uh, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. I, people seem really keen to see Batman kill people. I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> but anyway, so this version of Batman, anyway, it makes that decision that, you know, no, that that's not what justice is. There's a difference between vengeance and justice, and Batman has to be about justice. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just a vigilante. It's true. I have no yeah. more to say to that. <laughs> no, no, I know. I know. I know. It's just like, like sometimes sometimes things are just perfect and good and they just exist and it's great. <laughs> I did think it was funny though that like he literally got dropped off by Katie Holmes in front of that gangster's kind of hideout. Yeah, I know what it's just it's he, bizarre what she was thinking. All of a sudden, yeah, she takes him down to go, things are worse than ever down here. Look, we're driving down in the dumps. I'm going to slap you around and get out of my car. Then he somehow is at the river throwing this gun in and then he's back at the... It just looked like two very different shots, that's all. They didn't look like they were close to each other. It's, yeah, it's like they, they need to get him there and they also need him to have that moment of chucking that away, but they yes. can't. he can't have the gun when he walks in because that's otherwise right. he, the guards would pick him up. So like yes. they have to do that first. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff like that in, in these films. Like you don't clock them because they, it's the whole movie's functioning on this emotional sort of yeah. level where everything makes sense. And then you sort of think about it. You're like, oh, hang on. No, but he would have had to like walk away, go and throw the gun away and then come back. But it all works. It all works. It, it does. It's fun. That um, sounded, well, his damn with faint praise. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit, but we haven't talked a lot about uh, Cillian Murphy as the scarecrow. Yes. So he's just basically working for Ra's al Ghul, but he thinks yeah. they're going to hold the city hostage, but actually they want to destroy the city totally. Exactly. And he's great in this Bit movie. Bit of a stupid, why would they hold the city hostage? Like what? Well, the thing is, that's actually a really interesting delineation because in a, in a previous Batman movie, that's what they would have done. Oh, that yeah, I suppose be, so, yeah. You know, in, in, a, in an earlier Batman movie, to be like, I want $1 million, yeah. you know, or I will put the freeze on Gotham, you know. And that, yeah, that's... except Poison Ivy wanted to destroy the world. Well, so... exactly. But, you know, like Mr. Freeze is out there going, no, 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 it's just it's just ransom. I'm holding the city to ransom because I want money because I'm a, I'm a gangster. I'm a gangster with a gimmick. <laughs> Whereas these are not gangsters, they're terrorists. It's a yeah, very true. important distinction. And it's because this is the first post-9-11 Batman film. <laughs> this, is, this is the the new paradigm and it is commenting on it in a way that was almost invisible at the time. I don't know about you, but like that was not what I was clocking when like the League of Shadows and was fighting Batman. I'm just going, this is a cool Batman film. <laughs> with, with, the, with the benefit of distance, this film and a 
especially the Dark Knight, and we'll talk about this next week, they're about the war on terror. <laughs> they're about terrorism and about, you know, how far society goes to stop terrorists. The Dark Knight especially, but certainly this movie as well. Like, this is about a changing of the guard. There were gangsters, and now there are far more serious people who are going to do terrible things. It feels like the commissioner, maybe, and Gordon are the only two cops who, like, are not on the payroll. Like, everyone's on the payroll. It's a bit... exactly. It's almost almost comical how corrupt everyone is. I mean, I know um, Gary Oldman has that great line about in a city this bent who's... Who am I going to rat to? Who am I going to rat to? Yeah, exactly. It's it's sort of comical, like all of the... They steal... I've totally forgot about this plot point, but they steal a weapon from Wayne Enterprises, which vaporizes... They steal water. a microwave emitter, Natalie. And, and this this is the thing when someone tells you that this is the grim and dark reimagining of Batman, you must remind them that it, it hinges on them using a microwave emitter to ignite the water supply of Gotham, which they've laced with fear toxin. Yes, that, it's that is so the central complicated plot when the... you could just put some sarin gas in the subway. <laughs> sure, like, exactly, yes. It's so overly complicated. I mean, it's still a Batman film, you know what I mean? So like, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. still going to go through the motions. And yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. I like is that they are still doing that. Like the next, the Dark Knight kind of strips all of that away. It gets rid of all of that stuff. It is ultra realistic, as realistic as a Batman film can possibly be. This movie is still one foot in the Tim Burton era. You know, like like you've got you've one got foot fear or tox- maybe a toe, <laughs> maybe just a toe, and, and not in a bad way. I don't I don't mind this. It's a Batman film. I want the criminal's master plan to include lacing the city's water supply with fear toxin. You know, like that's not a bad thing. But it is it is interesting that you know people say oh, it's the the realistic one. All the Nolan films were realistic. It's like no, they weren't. <laughs> it's just that they took the subject matter seriously. They didn't look down on the material. They didn't hold contempt for the material. They didn't try to rewrite the material because they thought they knew better. They took it on face value and they said, what works about this and how do we find the truth in it? And I think they succeeded admirably. And I think so much of what came after, both in DC and in Marvel, like Marvel learnt lessons from this movie and okay. from like The Dark Knight, I think. Like, like they arguably learned the right lessons and ironically, DC learned the wrong lessons. <laughs> uh, because lots and lots of, of people decided that, okay, what we need are gritty reboots of all our franchises. <laughs> so everything has to be grim and gritty and serious and dark and no one can ever smile or crack jokes. This is a funny movie. They crack jokes all the time. There are it's, jokes, it's a yeah. fun, it's a fun, funny script. Alfred is sarcastic and, and Katie Holmes makes some jokes at one stage. Like yeah, yeah. even Batman, even Bruce Wayne is being funny and like genuinely funny. There's yes. that great line where Lucius, he, he gets dosed with fear toxin and and they come up with an antidote and he's like oh yeah how'd you get this mr wayne he's like oh you know how it is lucius you're at a party someone's passing around a weaponized fear toxin yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's good it's funny it's a funny movie i I, yeah. I like it there's there's humor there's light to balance the dark just on a side note that scene that's the first time that like lucius is in the room with alfred and bruce yes and i thought oh well he's obviously clued in that that bruce is batman i mean i think he sort of oh, probably he knows work he, it out. he definitely knows yeah. that Bruce is Batman by that stage. But it's never really, there's never really a moment of going, yes, I am Batman. It's just, and so I thought, oh, maybe it could be even at that stage because he's just talking about being. Well, no, because because before that, before that he has said, he's like, look, I might not know exactly what you're doing with this, Mr. Wayne, but don't think that I'm an idiot. He figures out what's going on pretty quickly. And I, I, I like that Batman has like a cue in these movies. 
you yeah. know, which is basically what he is. He, he's he's branch. It's it is actually very refreshing to see how the stuff is made and where it comes from. Yeah. Here's the Kevlar. Here's the you know, and see him sitting with a what's that thing? I was trying to write down the name of the machine. An ang- uh, like a like a grinder, an angle grinder. A tie, not, not not an angle grinder, but like a a, like a lathe, a lathe, a tie. Yeah, he's with machinery. Yes, doing. Doing making his stuff. little making his little sharp batarangs. Making his batarangs. <laughs> and then they're ordering like ten thousand headpieces or something from China. Yeah, there's that whole there's it's it's a weird convoluted thing that just is sort of there to explain how he would get like pre molded Batman cowls. Yes. Without raising suspicion. <laughs> Which does, I mean, again, it feels like sort of over-explaining by that point, but it's like, okay, it's all good. also, wouldn't the company that made them, like, pop up after Batman starts becoming a thing in Gotham? (laughs) They're like, hey, we sold it, like, a shitload of these to some dude. Well, you know what would happen now is they'd all pop up on Alibaba or something and you'd import them. (laughs) You'd have the Wish version. (laughs) Exactly, the Wish version, which has weirdly got a giant, like, jock strap attached to it or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you get in your accidental wish feeds? I get the weirdest stuff. Like I get, I got the other day a pair of jeans, like black jeans, but you know how you get jeans with rips in them? Yes. These jeans, the entire butt was ripped. So like <laughs> the butt cheeks. So the jeans, the jeans were intact, but the butt, you know, it had been cut away. So there's just kind of strings of material of fabric yeah. down the butt cheeks. But it was almost like having your ass completely hanging out of your jeans. I, like, <laughs> I know that used to be the old thing with distress scene is why are you paying for jeans that have been mussed up by somebody else? And it's like, well, that person could probably muss it up in a stylish way. Hmm. This was like, well, this is just going to be cold. Imagine sitting <laughs> down in winter. Exactly. Or even in summer sitting on like in, in Queensland, okay, you wear it for summer because, you know, it's obviously breezy, but then you sit on a hot seat at the train station. They're all made of metal. My God, you're going to get third degree ass burns. <laughs> Fashion. You better <laughs> SPF that booty. Yes, exactly. I saw an incredible one the other day where someone had ordered a Wallace mug from Wallace and Gromit. Oh yeah. Um, on Wish, and the picture was of one of those like head mugs where like the the mug is like the head of the character with like a handle. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. And then they showed the actual mug that they ended up getting, which was just a generic white mug with a picture of that mug screen printed on it. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> like the front of that company. It's insane. That's great. That's so good. Oh, Lordy. What else can we talk about with this movie? Or did I interrupt you talking about something? No, no, no. I mean, I'm, it's all good. Like I'm just faffing on about Batman as I want to do. I forgot to say something in my minute challenge. I meant to write down, is that Rutger Hauer? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. I always forget that he's in this movie. I was just sitting there going, wait, is that? And he looks really great. Yeah. He looks so young and vibrant. He looks exactly the same as he did, you know, in the Buffy movie in the early 90s. Mm. No, he looks great. Um, Everyone looks amazing in this movie. Yeah, they do. But the other thing was he's sort of the head of the company. And, of course, the whole, you know, they take the company public and Christian Bale's like, oh, I'm not going to get in the way. But, of course, through a series of charities and whatnot, he buys back all the stock in his own company. But he wasn't evil, like, compared to all the other bad guys. I think the point was, like, he was taking – he was going to take Wayne Enterprises in, like, you know, weapons and and all that sort of thing, things that Thomas Wayne wouldn't have done or wouldn't have signed off on. And Bruce Wayne certainly wouldn't have signed off on, but – 
as far as he knew, all the Waynes were dead. So yeah. like, it's time to take Wayne Enterprises in a different direction. That's right. He was just being a capitalist. But he was mean to Lucius, Natalie. So He was mean to Lucius. That's nobody should ever be mean to Morgan Freeman. <laughs> he is a national traitor. Um, Didn't you get the memo? That was a nice reverse. Oh, ah, nice great. Reverse. This movie rules. I'm just looking through my notes of things that I wrote during because I realise we're probably getting to the time where we need to start rating the film. I did love the – there was a weird mix in the art direction because, you know, the train, the high-powered, high-speed monorail thing was very kind of artfully done. Obviously that was all models or CGI or whatever. Yeah. And then they would have interspersed with shots once Bruce was back. So all that stuff was from when Bruce was a kid. And then they'd interspersed with stuff from the current day and it just looked like pans of the skyline of new york but with obviously some other buildings put in there and wayne written on the wayne tower this is the last of the nolan movies where they try to make gotham city its own thing they're kind of still trying to make gotham city like a burton-esque sort of space but it's not dark it's not dark like the burton no no it's not talking about that where burton just didn't have any lights on at all like gotham is just but you know things like the narrows and and that sort of thing like you you get get a sense of this is like a heightened city that doesn't know you know no no city like this really exists but it, mm. it it's like the idea of a city whereas in in the dark night it's just chicago it's explicitly chicago you know got, they gotham film there, they, they film there yeah exactly and oh, they don't do right. anything to dress it up it's just a modern american city because that's the point of that movie they don't want to put it in a, like a fantasy universe it's like no no no. this is america that this is happening and this mm. is a modern American metropolis, which is the point of The Dark Knight, but we'll get there. But this movie, you need to sort of play up that Gotham City, even at the height of Thomas and Martha Wayne's sort of philanthropy, was still a pretty awful place to live. And it was exactly the sort of hellscape that would spawn someone like Batman. Right. You have to believe that a city is so crime-ridden and broken that only Batman could save it. I suppose that's the point of having so many people corrupt that like, okay, well, there's a reason why the cops don't do anything as opposed to the Adam West and the Tim Burtons where the cops, they're not really explicitly mentioned being corrupt. I suppose. No, the cops it's aren't just, corrupt in the 66. Just, they're, they're just, it's just they're useless. They're, they're useless. They can't do it. Like <laughs> yeah. that, a cop can't arrest the Joker. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be Batman. <laughs> I did write down with all that training montage stuff with Liam Neeson and Christian Bale. And he's going like, you need the will to act and your parents' death is not your fault. It was your father's. He lacked the will to act. And I was like, this is some toxic masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) Which wasn't really a word or a phrase back then. Yeah, exactly. It is toxic. It is definitely toxic masculinity. I think that. But it does seem to appeal to, I do wonder if given the opportunity to go into the mountains for six months and learn like 17 forms of excruciatingly painful martial arts and stuff, how many dudes would be like, yes, I would do this. I will become the man who can take on the crime. It seems to be for some men a bit of like a fantasy camp. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to go and, you know, and, and when Christian Bale is like, he's like, you have to take on all these people. He's like, I can barely stand. He's like, death does not wait for you. And he's just punching him over and then Christian Bale manages to get back up. I would just stay down, like, to be honest. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, but, but, Natalie, but Natalie, why do we fall? Yeah, well, mm. yeah. Nobody's placed a time limit on when I can pick myself back up. <laughs> I'm allowed to true. have a break. 
Like they even mentioned, I was quite pleased because they mentioned that, you know, Bruce Wayne sleeps until 3 p.m. Like he, that's where oh, Alfred yeah. gets him yes. up to 3 p.m. And I was like, yes, Bruce, represent. Represent us night yeah. owls. <laughs> sure, I'm not going around and like fighting crime in Brisbane, but I am representing the night owl faction. Or are you? Yeah, exactly. That's what I would say. You know, I put out this persona of being a lovable, clumsy idiot, but really, what better cover story, hey? <laughs> I picture myself trying to run around. I just, it would be hilarious. I mean, I can do a 12-inch box jump at the gym and that's it. That's the extent of my ability to move in a vertical direction. You're, ha- you're halfway and, there, Natalie. And here's Batman. He can do a 24-inch box jump. Sure. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, so what else did I write? Oh, yes, very Hannibal Lecter when they put um, Fal- Falcone, Falzoni, Fal- Falcone. Falcone, um, yeah. On the light. It was, it was a bit Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, a bit um, Hannibal Lecterish. Oh, the shots of, of Batman standing on like plinths and shit high up in the sky mm. on buildings. I know it looks cool. It's so impractical. <laughs> like, what's he doing up there? He's like, surveying his city. Also, he seems to be able to fly more. The other Batman seem to use grappling hooks more. He does a bit, but he seems to be able to fly, like just with yeah. That well, he's got the he's got the ship. gliding cape, so they they definitely use use that quite a bit, um, um, which was a cool a cool addition that that hadn't really been a thing in the comics too much. Like he he glides a little bit in the comics, but it's more it's more you're right, like it's more like grappling hooks and swinging yeah. from lines and things. But then he does this grappling. But then he does this thing with the car when he's in his base, and he just kind of floats towards the car or out of the car like he sort of whooshes himself when he's getting the antidote for um katie holmes and he's like oof, yeah and he sort of glides i do like the fact that his bat cave is hidden by the waterfall a very well-placed waterfall and it it justifies it justifies the tumbler because the tumbler is the only vehicle that can jump that distance yeah and although it doesn't really make sense because the cave is supposed to be way down. Like that's the other thing I like that there's no pole. There's an actual cave. Like a they don't really explain how they build everything down in the back cave, but it's a much more simple operation. So it's like okay, I get that it's not like fully decked out with computers and stuff and rotating. What was the George Clooney where they have the rotating? You know, <laughs> yes, yeah. Car. It's like there would be contractors who'd have to be brought in for that. Like fair Absolutely, enough, yeah. you and Alfred could make your bat suit. They do a lot of heavy lifting by by that underground railroad stuff by by sort of saying that a lot of it was already there. Yes, um, but like the technology and stuff, they just they keep it fairly. Simple, yeah, like, like you know. there's computers down there, but they're desktop computers that Alfred yes. probably brought down himself. Alfred has a trolley in, but no. My point is, they go through. I like the discordant piano key chords that they play to access the. Yeah, that was cool. That was an interesting. I mean, I don't really uh, know. Twist. Is that on a? Is that like a sound cue that, I, that triggers it, or is there some sort of wire trip? That it's goes probably through? like a wire thing. Yeah. Anyway, it's very fun, but whatever. They go down like several stories, like several yes. stories to yeah. the Batcave. They're under the – they even talk about it. They're under the southeast wing of the house, and yet somehow when they jump out of the waterfall, it's on the surface. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I figure like, like it's the like a cliff, a cliff the... face or something. Like, Yeah. Again, I'm picking, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I'm going mean, to get text it's... messages from Pete Booth now, the magician, telling me. But it's a thing too where like – you know, Wayne Manor is supposed to be on the outskirts of Gotham City, which is a major American-style city. And there's apparently, like, giant cliffs nearby and an extensive cave network, you know? Like, it just, it's very strange. Okay, there was a weird moment when, oh, where, at what point was this? When there was a hostage and they had, all the police were surrounding the building. Bat, oh, Batman had turned up at the jail, I think. 
Oh, um, at uh, Arkham Asylum, he comes. Well, at Arkham, yeah, yeah, it was at Arkham. That's right, and he turned up. Yeah, that, um, that's a great, a to great save, set piece. It's a great set piece. Katie Holmes was there. The scarecrow had done his spooky maggot face thing. Yeah, then, um, he's, then he's like, all the all the lights go out. He's like, he's here. Who? He's here. Yeah, the Batman. The Batman. I did love the way that he got a taste of his own medicine, and I forgot. I had completely forgotten that that bit with the Batman's face, like crawling yes. with maggots and stuff. Yeah, that was yeah. very cool CGI. And fun to see what would a spooky Batman look like to the Scarecrow. So mm. that was fun. But then there's a moment where he saves Katie Holmes and then he goes up to like the top and Gordon comes in and finds him up the top. Yeah. They're on like Cause, the top Because the, the SWAT team's about to storm the building. The SWAT team's about to storm the building. And then he says, you take Katie Holmes downstairs and yeah. get, I'll meet you in the alley. But all he does is like summon some bats and then – drop down the shaft, like I guess the elevator shaft or something in the middle of the building. In the coolest way possible. In the coolest way possible. And then just sort of walks outside and meets him in the alley. It's like, dude, you could have just dropped down with Katie Holmes. Why did you give it a – it didn't make sense. It, the only well, it's, reason he – it's theatricality and misdirection, Natalie. He's, yes, he's no, I... making the cops think that, like, he's going that way and then he goes out the back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding. That's literally what happens. <laughs> the back with his helmet half off being like oh damn it you got me <laughs> i was trying to do a sneaky <laughs> just imagine a batman not wanting to pay for like restaurant bills yes yeah, like, he's a diamond dash anyway that just stood out what's that over like, there he could have <laughs> katie holmes is tiny he could have just you know thrown her over his shoulder and just thrown the bats off the, using his he's like get smart he had like a bat signal in his shoe <laughs> <laughs> To summon the bats. It yes. was cool when he first found the cave, though, when all the bats are, like, flying around him and stuff. Yes, that was, that, that was very cool. That was very cool. Again, I feel like men would pay for that experience. If we... <laughs> I feel like, like if For we your ha- birthday, we're going to put you in a cave and just have bats fly around you while you stand <laughs> yes. there, like, feeling like you're conquering your fear of bats. They'll, they'll pipe in a Hans Zimmer soundtrack. Yeah, that's right. We haven't talked about that. I mean, like the music in this uh, movie is like has become iconic. Like I remember at the time there was a lot of criticism of this sort of style of blockbuster soundtrack where it was very minimalist and Hans Zimmer was right at the forefront of that. But I think over time, like this soundtrack is just as iconic, maybe not equally as iconic as the Daniel. It's hard to sing. It's hard. You can go da 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 da. Whereas the like. Dun, dun. It's sort of like, yeah, that minimal notes and they're very deep. And it's but just when that you hear shifting. it, when you yeah. hear it, it's good. I'll, I'll talk about this again when we get to The Dark Knight Rises, but when you see that shot of Batman sort of coming back and the Batman theme kicks in, at that point, I didn't even realize that Batman had a theme in these movies. You know, like I hadn't clocked that he had a separate theme, but it's like, no, he does. He has theme music. It's just that it's that minimalist sort of, you know, yeah. duh, 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 you know, like this. Yeah. See, this is the thing. We can't capture it. Whereas you can capture, no. you know, like, like you can hear it in your head, but you can't yeah. replicate it with your mouth. No, that's right. <laughs> Wham, yeah. It's really difficult, but it's very fun to hear. It's very, like, it is, it's very, yes. it clues it's exciting. when you hear it. Yeah. I did love his speech at his party. I mean, I don't know. I guess it was Alfred organizing a whole bunch of people to keep up the pretense that he's a fancy playboy. But yeah, the way he sort of chucked them all out by calling them all phonies and stuff. Yes, it was, exactly. It was fun. He has, um, to, he has to clear the decks. And so he shows that he'll 
do whatever it takes to yeah. save because what he's doing there is he's saving them because otherwise they they would be yeah. killed instantly. Yeah, of course, of course he is. Yeah, Gotham is apparently like an island. All the bridges raise up like every yeah, see, bridge. Like the thing is that's true of New York too. Like Manhattan is an island. Yes, but it's never really mentioned until they're like, get off the island, get everyone off the island. It's like what? But every bridge, like not every bridge off Manhattan raises. These ones do. Yeah. <laughs> Hence my point. Hence yes, exactly. Point. No, no. It's, it's just, it's, it heightens the idea. And they, they really go away from that in The Dark Knight, but then they go right back to it for The Dark Knight Rises. Mm. It's this idea that you can section off an entire section of, of the city just by raising all the bridges. Batman gives two doses of the antidote to Katie Holmes. One is for Gary Oldman to jab himself with. Yeah. One is for mass production. They never get around to the mass production. Like he even tells Lucius to go back and start making antidote. Is that because they use that? I'm not quite sure how it sort of resolves. Well, Is it the case need, that they evaporate? Need... They use the weapon to evaporate the water. That's I just thought he crashed Grazogul's train, and then I wasn't quite sure how it ended. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, walk me so, through it. So they had been dosing up the water supply for months at that point, which doesn't make a lot of sense because the water supply by nature like flows and so it would flush itself. But anyway, the idea is that Gotham's water supply, by the time the microwave emitter is turned on, is completely laced with the fear toxin, which doesn't poison anyone or anything like that. It, it doesn't work unless it's inhaled. So what they do is they get the, the microwave emitter to boil off the water in the pipes thus creating like this fear steam that's everywhere. And then they put the microwave emitter on the train, which also the monorail tracks are also the main like water main line. They mention this in the film and all of it is centered on Wayne Tower. So it's not only a hub for the monorail network, but it's also the main water supply control area. Of course, yes. Because of course it is. And so as the train goes through the city, you see all the like the manhole covers like blow up and everything because it's igniting, it's boiling off the, the water in the pipes as it goes. And if it hits Wayne Tower, the whole city's water supply will be turned into steam and, and fear steam and every, everyone will go crazy and kill each other and burn the city to the ground. Yeah. Does that make sense? You don't have to yeah. say yes. It doesn't yeah. really make sense. Um <laughs> But it's that's very... what the movie. That's the plot of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's convoluted, and so by crashing the train, and so by yeah. crashing the train, they stop the microwave emitter from getting to the hub yeah. and and doing any more damage, basically. Yeah, I love the fact that they had like just two dudes working in the switch room or something at, at Wayne Enterprises. Yeah, going, but but it hey. works. There's there's a, oh yeah yeah yeah. They're providing we, the running insta- commentary. To, uh, not, yeah. not only that, there's stakes. Like like they, they are they are real tangible stakes because otherwise we don't see a lot of like the rest of the city. You know, so yeah. we know that if the train crashes, those two guys are going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but they just say exactly what's needed to say is like, hey, if that water pressure gets any higher, yes. it could blow us all up. Exactly. It's very exactly deliberate, right. you know. Yeah. And you just like, movie. there's so much character that they managed to get into like four or five lines. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like you just instantly get their deal. They're the exposition dump yeah. guys. There's like the young guy and the old guy. You can picture the conversations they were having before this yeah, all happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's, yeah, it's so good. It's a shorthand. <laughs> I think that was pretty much everything I had written in my, I mean, I wrote down lots of little things that 
I can't understand my own writing. <laughs> oh, things like, you know, Master Wayne, I didn't think you were going to go skylarking or what thrill-seeking. What do you call this? Damn good television. <laughs> Damn good television. Dude. Great. Dude. I think it's probably, I guess, the best if we're heading towards our ranking. It's probably sits goes straight to number one of the, <laughs> of the Batman films. I don't know whether it'll stay there, but um, it's certainly fun. Christian Bale is a good Batman. Oh, I forgot the, uh, <laughs> where are you? Here. That's very Here. good. They do the line, though. This is the thing, that they can't resist doing the line. He's like, you know, who the hell are you? And he pulls him up. He's like, I'm Batman. And he does the, the I'm Batman line. And then he goes, nice coat to the Yeah, see, to the guy. For some reason, the same homeless man just seven years later <laughs> happens to be hanging around the docks where the drug deal is happening. And- that guy would have drunk himself to death long ago. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Stu. <laughs> I'm saying homelessness and substance addiction is a real problem. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, in like terms of ranking, I, I did want to sort of get into this. So my instinct is to put it at the top, but at the top of our list currently, and we, we have basically the same list at the moment, we have Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which also deals with a lot of the same sort of narrative territory that this movie does. Mm, that's true. Do you think that Batman Begins is better than Batman Mask of the Phantasm? Oh, well, that's really tough because it's, I mean, it's a movie. Some, pe- some people are screaming at me now. What, screaming at you that of course it is? Or... That of course it is. But, you know, I, I think that's, you know, it's an interesting thing because at the it's moment really, we have. Uh, certainly Mask of the Phantasm is a simpler more economical story it's 70 Um, minutes long yeah and it it deals with all that it doesn't have i guess you don't see how batman becomes batman oh you do a bit you do you absolutely do you see him designing the cowl and yeah all that stuff um, it deals with very much the same sort of narrative mm, territory which is why i think it's interesting that we've sort of it's probably better from an economical storytelling minimalist perspective but batman begins has i guess the spectacle and the cool cars and you know it's got the the mojo maybe but it also it also has the weird sort of missteps and i don't think mask of the phantasm has any missteps really true you know like i I think it's just this is a two hour and 20 minute film like yes yes it is and the first half is pretty much you could say all of Batman, just his adventures before he was hmm. Batman, which makes sense because he's becoming Batman. Yeah. That's what they should have he's called it. Beginning. Becoming Batman. Becoming Batman. Well, no, even that, I mean, the thing is, you. I don't want to insult your intelligence by assuming you didn't already get this, but like even the naming scheme of this movie is beholden to the Burton era because it's Batman Begins. You know, it's Batman Returns, Forever, yes. and Robin, and now Begins. Yes. And you know, this is the last sort of holdover. Well. And after this, it will completely divorce itself from any of that. I remember being really weirded out by The Dark Knight and then The Dark Knight Rises. Like, I yeah, went, really? That's... The Dark Knight Rises is a bad title for a very bad film. But anyway, we'll get there. Uh, Pete Booth is going to have so much fun when he comes on. I love it. He's going to tell us off. That's a really tough one. Where do you think you would put it? I am going to go for a little bit of Chaos Energy and put it in number two. behind Mask of the Phantasm. I'm going to keep Mask of the Phantasm in number one just because I know that there's a movie coming along in our next episode that may unseat it. Ah, uh, yeah. Can I now, just copy you then? I feel like I'm not really doing the list very don't, well, but no, I don't, because no, you I should don't. you should put yours in number one because I think that that was where you felt that it should stay, right? I did say that, but then you make a really good point about Mask of the Phantasm. But okay, look, I'll be the I'll yeah, I'll say Batman Begins and then Mask yes. of the Phantasm, and then we're yep. the same. And I really need to write this down somewhere because I can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it's. I think it's a fine film. It's probably long, but it doesn't feel as long. I guess. No, it never. It like, never drags for me. Batman and a couple of the Burtons and a couple of the. Sh- Wait, they only did two each, so that would be all of them. <laughs> all of them. They really felt like, ooh, this. Particularly Batman and Robin. You're like, ooh, this was a slog. Batman and know, Robin gets times. a real slog towards the end. So yeah, I think. Um, I'm happy to put it in at number one. I suspect that Dark Knight will go. It higher, is an uncontroversial then, place to put it. Yeah, maybe like the Batfleck one will go higher. Maybe I that's what'll happen. Don't think so. Mm. But hey, stranger things have happened. Gosh, well, I guess we're sort of reaching the end of the film now, or the end of the podcast, I should say. And uh, gosh, it's been another long one, worthy of the movie itself. Um, <laughs> if you would like to uh, call in about anything to do with Batman Begins, at Disco Stew is Stu's Twitter handle, and I am at Girl Clumsy. You can also find us via facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne. And most especially of all, patreon.com slash girlclumsy is my Patreon page. And a huge thank you, as always, to my patrons for your continued support. Believe me, it is something that helps me sleep at night, to be completely honest with you. It's been a weird year. I know I keep saying that. I very much appreciate people who have supported me via Patreon for all this time because, as I was telling Stu, I do very, very thorough edit jobs on our podcast. I know that they're still long, but I edit out, like, the guff and make them sound hopefully better to your ears so you have fun listening to them. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, uh, Stu. Final comments on Batman Begins? The beginning of an incredible run that is over too soon. (laughs) As always, Stu, it is a pleasure. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I hope you are having a wonderful uh, spooky season, Halloween season. And we will see you same bat time, same bat channel, but also possibly not. (laughs) (laughs) And on that confusing note, bye. (laughs) See you. Bye.